It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Wow. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You're listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. So, uh, if you guys if you guys are new to the show, um, welcome. And make sure you're following us on Twitter at DenverStiffs, at uh, NBN-Radio. Uh, check us out on Instagram at the Denver Sis. Give us a follow and a like on Facebook as well. I say it every week. I'll continue to say it. You're going to want to sure you make sure you're following all of those social media platforms because you will find content on there that you will not necessarily find on our site. Uh, and so you're going to want to get the full Denver Stiffs experience. What do you think of that? All right. Tell you what. Let's let's stop wasting time and let's get into our co-host. Very first, all the way out there from. Philadelphia. It is the king of social media for Denver Stiffs, the tyrant of the tweet. It is Mr. Jeremy Poley. Jeremy, what's up? Uh, not much. Just uh, concerned about my life this weekend. The <laughs> Eagles play in the NFC Championship, and uh, That's right. if they lose, I think mathematically there's a 1% chance of being murdered if you're in the city. So between that and the the cold actively trying to kill me, I swear when I walk out, the air is actually attacking my body. Um, I'm doing just fine. Really? What's the um? Yeah, what is it like? What's the? Is it like? Uh, what's the temperature right now there in Philly? So today, actually, today and yesterday haven't been too 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 bad. Um, but man, we had like a two or three week spurt there that was just aggressively like offensive. You're like just walking through air of derogatoriness. I, I, I like you feel like it's an active entity trying to kill you. <laughs> it's one of those uh, one of those times where like anytime you breathe in, you just immediately start coughing just because of the cold. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Well, I'm happy you joined us there. Hopefully, hopefully from the nice warmth of your home. Um, also joining us for the very first time, he is the wielder of the Banhammer, the, uh, the Grim Reaper of the comment board. It is Denver Stiff's moderator, Mark Grimaldi. He's down in Thornton. Mark, what's up? How's it going, guys? Um, happy to be here, and apparently I'm at a much lower risk of dying than Jeremy, <laughs> so I think things are going pretty well. It's a red letter day. Depends, man. He's in the trenches, though. You never know. Those, that comment section. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It can be a war zone. Mark, Mark metaphorically dies every time he has to go into the comment section. <laughs> uh, all right. These recent games happen. <laughs> all right. Well, we got. So we got a. Um, we're gonna have a tough one. It's uh, just like just like the comment section has been tough. Uh, the Nuggets, of course, they they uh, they lose. Last night, again, to the which is their sixth loss in their last eight games. This time they lose to one of the worst teams in the NBA in the Phoenix Suns. Again, just like they lost to one of the worst teams in the NBA last week when they lost to the Hawks. Um, so we'll break down that Suns game and everything that was kind of said uh, post-game on that one. We will uh, – I want to get into the Nikola Jokic-Mason-Plumley combination because we have some interesting uh, case studies, right? He didn't – they didn't go to it against Dallas. It worked out great. Uh, they went back to it against the Clippers. That didn't work out. They went away from it again against the Suns. Still didn't work out. So let's 
I want to dive into that and, and everything that's going on with the Plumlee-Jokic lineup and, and whether it works at all um, and, and maybe whether or not Nuggets should just be done with it. Uh, we'll hit a break and then we'll come back. We'll talk about Kimball Walker. Uh, apparently on the trading block, of course. Anytime there's a good player on the trading block, uh, somebody wants to talk about whether or not the Nuggets would trade for him. So, um, Kimba, Kimba, I think, is a, a very interesting topic. So, we'll get into him. And finally, coming up here next, next game the Nuggets have, the Portland Trailblazers are in town. It is Yusuf Nurkic's first game back at the Pepsi Center. Um, so, that, I think, will be interesting. So, if we get some time... Um, we'll, we'll break into that. Alrighty. Without further ado, let's, let's dive right into last night's loss to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I'm going to start on the positive. There was one major positive and that was Jamal Murray back from being in the concussion protocol. He goes for 30 points. Uh, Jeremy, when it comes to Jamal, are we, does it start to feel like to you, this is a guy who we can start to kind of count on night in, night out, to be one of the major performers for the team? I'm not at that point yet. And actually the last uh, the last few weeks have kind of proved that to me. December, he really turned it on. Right. Um, we, we saw the guy who could hit all the buckets that we were always hoping. Um, he, he was looking really, really good. And I was kind of thinking – how long does this actually go on for? Is this the guy that we've been hoping for the whole time or not? And, um, and I mean, really, he's kind of – he's fallen back down to earth a little bit. Um, let's see here. In his last uh, two weeks anyway, he's below – he's at uh, 385 field goal percentage. Not good. Um, you know, yeah, and on and off. Really, uh, sometimes looking a little lost again. Um, of course, this is not just a single-player problem. This is a team problem. But um, and and you know, I'm kind of I'm almost relieved to see this because I y- you you expect this. Right. I think um, the guy's super young and he's got a really good-looking shot. He's got he's got a lot of talent. Um, you expect these kind of highs and lows to come with it. And so December was exactly what I needed. I'm on board. I was I was starting to kind of question things, and December is exactly what I needed to be able to buy into him um, for for more growth to go through some bad times. And last night was another good good point. Like so, he had a bad couple of weeks here, and he shows up last night and turns in a good game when nobody else right. could. Right. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I was looking at it at kind of comparing Jamal's uh, sophomore season to Gary Harris's, um, and there's there, there's. There's some interesting similarities. I mean, they're not they're not like uh, definitely not synonymous with each other in, in their development. But it, it was interesting to see. I mean, it gives you a lot of hope that if Jamal can continue to improve, kind of the way Gary has, that that, that he should be just fine and really should be the uh, should end up being the primary scorer. I I sometimes this is just something I've been thinking lately. I I wonder if he's not the guy ultimately that the Nuggets end up having to hitch their wagon to. Um, Long term, and it's that's not saying anything against Nicole Jokic. I just wonder if if uh, Jamal has more of like that alpha alpha dog mentality of being uh, of being the guy on a team. Um, but right now, I think, like I said, they're just they're just not consistent enough um, to be able to uh, to be able to rely on him night in night out. Mark, what do you? What about you? Do you? I mean, do you think like uh, is is Jamal a guy you think that the Nuggets eventually are going to end up being you know kind of looking to every single night to be their primary scorer? I mean, I think he has to be um, if he's going to be our point guard moving forward, which all signs point that that's the long term plan. Um, he's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands, and I think he's got to be putting up numbers because I don't see him ever being, you know, the traditional point guard distributor that you get out of somebody like Chris Paul or something like that, which isn't that common in the NBA anyway right Right. now. Um, But if he's going to have the ball in his hands and we're not going to be going through Jokic in the high post or something consistently, um, his really only purpose on the floor to me is going to be to get buckets and space the floor. Uh, So I think if he's not doing that, if we're not seeing, you know, 20, 25 point averages, then we're going to have to start looking in other directions. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Like he, 
he he kind of has to almost make up for that lack of, of creation just with just with pure scoring. Um, and I, I think he's a guy who can do that. Like we've seen out of Jamal plenty of times that he's got the ability to just light it up. Um, if if he's on the, the problem, I think that right now that we have is is just not on consistently enough. Um, but I, like I said, I, I agree with both you guys. I think he's um, I think he's got a big part of their future if he can if he can kind of develop into that 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 premier twenty twenty five point game score like you were talking about, Mark. Um, otherwise, I mean, last night I, I don't know if there was anything last night that really really stuck out to me about what he was doing. I think he he wanted to kind of you know obviously with with Tyler Ulis. And, and Devin Booker, two Kentucky guys, Ulysses being um, being Jamal's backup or not backup, being his backcourt mate when he was in Kentucky. Um, I think that was a little bit extra extra motivation for him. It was kind of cool to see him. Devin Booker kind of did this thing where where he hit three right in Jamal's face and kind of mimicked his um, his little arrow. Uh, move and then and then Jamal came right back uh, in the second half and, and just posterized them on a dunk. So that was kind of fun to watch. Um, good to see those guys get get a little of that that competitive spirit. Um, all right, let's get into the bad because that's that's mostly what last night's game was. I really thought the Nuggets lost last night uh, in, in, at the beginning of the second quarter. They they. Coach played, uh, I think he played Jokic the entire first quarter, which is odd. He doesn't typically do that. He usually, he'll usually take Jokic out at about the five-minute mark um, and bring him back with a couple minutes left, give him a couple-minute break. He did not do that last night. Uh, but then when when they started the second quarter, they essentially went to the entire bench unit um, plus Jamal Murray. That's when, I believe it was a Phoenix, it was on a 13 nothing run um, and really puts the Nuggets nuggets behind the eight ball. Um they, they, they never really they catch up. Mark, what, what did you notice about that run in the second quarter? What did you think was, was the reason that uh, the Suns were able to get, get going like that? I mean, I thought it was kind of both sides of the ball that were the problem. Um, the ball kind of got sticky. We weren't getting the ball movement that, you know, we were seeing in the first quarter. And not that the first quarter we were really lighting things up, um, but – the offense just wasn't running as smoothly as we wanted to see or that we saw when uh, Nikola Jokic was out right. there. And then defensively, we just couldn't stop anybody. Um, and it got mentioned uh, last night in the recap on denverstiffs.com that it seemed like at different points of the game, Phoenix just had somebody that the Nuggets were just forgetting completely on defense. Um, in the third, it was Josh Jackson. But in the second, Devin Booker, um, TJ Warren. we just – Nobody was staying in front of him, right? Warren was killing him, and it just felt like we couldn't consistently guard five people. At any you know, time. you know who else killed him right there in that second quarter was Isaiah Cannon. Like he hit like three threes right in a row, and it was just like, man, like it seems like that happens like every night. Like, like when, when it was in the Spurs, right? It was it was Davis Bertans or, or however the hell you pronounce that guy's name. Um, I would say Davis, but I, I'm sure you know it, it's it's got some. It's probably got some. Uh, fancier inflection on it than just a standard English language. Uh, but, but, but the point being, <laughs> the point being like, th- there's always that, like a nameless guy uh, on the opposing teams. The Nuggets seem to forget about. And they just, uh, Cannon was the guy too there. I thought, I just, just couldn't believe it. Like you, you expect Devin Booker and you expect TJ Warren uh, to, to be the scorers for the, for Phoenix. That's if you're not expecting that, you're not game planning, but Isaiah Cannon is probably not wasn't probably too high on on uh, Coach Moan's priority lists when planning for this one, um, and it ends up being being a killer. Jeremy, what about you? What did you think went wrong in that second quarter? Yeah, you know, I think there's something to that. There, there's been uh, <laughs> this ongoing conversation amongst the stiffs about uh, the style of the ball we've been playing versus uh just shots right you know shots not falling on our side shots falling on their side um so you bring up like a really good point um cannon just was not part really of the game plan there and uh some of those just fell and 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 even into the the end of the game i even thought um maybe i just don't appreciate his uh his offensive prowess as much as you do but even warren um, just seeing some some odd balls dropping in out of nowhere, right. but uh, yeah, you know, um, you, you want to be able to have a team that you can re- rely on that can push through, where because of their mechanics, because of their cohesiveness, even when the ball's not falling, they're able to to um, shift weight and to challenge um, play in and play out. Um, we we don't have that right now, but I don't think you can take away. Um, 
it, it's a it's also it's a bad time for Coach Malone to be um, stressing some of these unconventional lineups that he's playing right. with. I, I'm starting to take the question in a whole other direction, but it, 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 so it's kind of a shame for him because. Um, you know, he finds himself in a position. He wants to try something. Maybe there's uh, some sort of strategy or stats that are important to him that he's trying to lock down. So he does something a little bit unconventional. But on top of that, it, there there is kind of the the averages are just dipping a little bit right now for the Nuggets and for some of our opponents. We've seen some shots going in. I mean, I think it goes hand in hand with strategy, but I think at the same time, um, at the end of the night, it is. Uh, um, you either make it or you don't, and sometimes it just goes the other way. Right, right, yeah, and, uh, and I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, it's it's a little bit late in the game, honestly. When you think about it, we're only already halfway over the season, to still be kind of tinkering with the lineup. I get, I mean, I get why he's doing it because I get why he had to he had to go to the the, the Plumley Jokic lineup, which we're about to get into. But he went to that, you know, because basically because Paul Millsap was out. Um, and, he, and he felt like he wasn't getting the defense that, that he needed from a guy like Kenneth Fareed uh, or even Trey Lyles. So he, he went with Plumlee. Um, and then, of course, of course, that has not worked out so well. So they, they went back to this, or they went basically to a new starting lineup last night with Trey Lyles in there. Um, and, and uh, you, know, you know, on, on the recap there on Denver Stiss, it was noted. I mean, whoever wrote that recap was a really smart guy. But uh, – it was it was <laughs> it was noted on there um, that, uh, that 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 these these lineup changes like 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 it's probably good for in the long term is is what I was saying. Spoiler alert! I was the one who wrote it, but uh, and in in the long term they might be good, but in the short term uh, it, it can hurt you like that where where you've got this basically new starting lineup which kind of changes the whole rotation around. Um, and I think we saw that in that second quarter. Because I think those guys were kind of not used to okay coming in at that point and playing with this group of guys right off right when I get off the bench, um, and and I think it just was one of the factors that led to them looking so, uh, so I guess you know just just out of sorts there and 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 one of the reasons why they didn't uh, it didn't end up getting the victory last night. I think though certainly the players and the coaches all agreed on, on what they thought the reason was, and that was that was a lack of effort. Um, if you guys check out denverstis.com, we've got the audio from last night's post-game press conferences posted there, uh, and you can hear it all for yourself. I thought Will Barton himself was 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 very candid. Uh, I believe he called it, uh, you know, he called it a shit show or something like that. And his effort, he called himself out. I uh, said his effort was shit. Uh, you know, I, I, Trey Lyles called it a BS effort. Uh, Nikola Jokic was talking about how the Nuggets are just showing up and expecting to win, like. Uh, across the board, the discussion was effort. Um, it was the issue with the, with the Denver Nuggets. Mark, I mean, you almost have to start talking psychology here. But like, I mean, how how hard is it to just be like uh, to turn on a switch and say, okay, now suddenly I'm going to get, give effort? Is it that simple? Is it just do they just need to care more, um, or or is there more to it? I mean, I have to think that there's some kind of a slump going on just with the recent losses, um, and especially I think. You said it was six of the last eight they're dropping and against bad teams. Um, So, I mean, I think that effort comes with, you know, feeling like they're working towards something and, you know, a positivity about the team. They always say that, you know, winning cures everything in the locker room. And I think that has a lot to do with the effort on the court, too. So I think we're just kind of seeing some of the guys being a little beaten down by the recent trends. Um, And in the end, I think that it's on the players to kind of get themselves up. But I also think that's a big part of being a coaching staff in the NBA right. is being able to take the pulse of the team and um, see what they need you to do, whether that's, you know, relaxing guys, taking people out um, for kind of a group activity or, you know, it's a lighter practice or some kind of, you know, speech or film session. Obviously I'm not an NBA coach, right. but I do think that it's important to step in and see what the guys need. Right. Yeah. No. And I think that's a great point because coach said that after the game, right. He said, you can't coach effort. I can't draw it up on the whiteboard, which is right. You can't. I mean, it's not, it's not an X in the nose. It's a very much uh, like we're saying, it's kind of, it's a psychological thing. It's, it's certainly not nearly as um, concrete of, of, of something as, as, as just like, you know, teaching people to run a play. Uh, but what, <sighs> 
it still falls on him though right it's still his responsibility uh to make sure that the that the that the Nuggets bring maximum effort that's that's still ultimately something he's accountable for so I, that that's a good point it's it's maybe not you know it, it's so simple as just you know yelling obviously that's probably not going to work just yelling at the guys and telling them to try harder um, as a coach, he's got to find that 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 delicate touch or whatever it is uh, to change to change the effort <clears throat> issues. Jimmy, what do you think? I mean, do you think maybe something like what Mark was saying, like maybe they it's just uh they they maybe need to have a lighter practice or they need to go over something more in film or maybe just have a come to Jesus meeting or, or, or do you think it's more more on on just the players being being like okay we got to man up and and we gotta we gotta take care of business. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's necessarily at the point of like getting getting the meeting together and getting the minds together and talking it out kind of a no, thing. No, no team um, players I wonder, meetings yet. Right, right. Um, I kind of wonder about effort. Um, I wonder a couple of things about that. Um, for instance, effort, um, if, if you know how and where to channel your effort, if you're running a race and you have a line on each side of you and you just push yourself – through that line, no matter where it bends, you're able to focus your effort right. more and you're able to get more out of it. And so I kind of wonder about, um, I mean, e- even in the preseason, um, Wilson Chandler, uh, Farid were kind of calling out, not really knowing their, their roles. Right. And it's something that we heard last season. It's something that we've heard this season. So if you're out there and you're not even sure how to channel your effort, what to do, um, it, it it can be confusing. So then that makes me wonder, you know, effort's a word that I feel like can mean different things to different people. And so with that post-game um, lineup of interviews, with nobody really giving any specific information, just all giving a generality of, of lacking effort, I kind of wonder, well, well do, what does it actually mean to them? Right. Is it different for each one of them? Because um, effort could be maybe, um, say, Barton just buying up for a three at the start of a shot clock. Maybe he could be thinking, I should have felt the effort to go through an entire, um, you know, play or to play the clock out rather than just take a shot. So I didn't have effort. I just took the easy shot. To somebody else, it could be caring about the moment. Um, they, they slack on defense or something like that because they don't think the ball is coming to their guy and they slacked. So, so I, I kind of wonder, because we didn't get any sort of real information out of them, what does effort actually mean? What is the correction that needs to take place here? Um, and as you brought out, Zach, that kind of comes to the coach to be able to, to focus in on on what exactly does need to change so that I can channel these players in the best way possible. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, again, I mean, I agree. And I, that's why, like, I think some people some people got I think really took offense to that comment from Malone because, um, you know, I, I think they tried to read it as him saying, well, this isn't this isn't you know anything I can do. This is something that the players just need to figure out. Um, and maybe he is saying that we don't know, but I, I tend to think that's not his case. I think he was just trying to get at the point, like you know, he said it's the hardest thing to coach. He did say I can't coach effort. He said it's the hardest thing to coach, um, and, mm. which is correct because, like you said, it, it takes it takes really knowing your team and knowing what's going on inside their head um, to be able to figure out and pinpoint exactly what um, what the issue is. So. So I, I, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see how they respond uh, against Portland. They have every reason to get up for that game, um, and and it, it, I think if you, if they come if they come out with another effort like they did uh, against the Suns, it's man, it's gonna be some real real hard look in the mirror time, and, and maybe some time for the front office to to shake something up one way or another. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, let's 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 get into the the, the Jokic Plumley lineup because that's been I think that's kind of dominated the Nuggets conversation uh, over the past week. It's certainly dominated the Nuggets conversation after the loss uh, to the Clippers. When I think it it just uh, well, so what was so frustrating about it was of course seeing the Nuggets um, they went away from from that lineup against the Mavericks. They started uh, Will Barton at the small forward. Uh, and Wilson Chandler at power forward and put Plumlee back at center. And he had one of his best games of the season uh, against that Mavericks team. If I'm looking here real quick, what was he? was uh, 29 points, 18 rebounds, 7 assists. Um, so so it was ironically a minus 2, though, which is kind of funny. But um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, it, it, it every everything it was it was back to playing uh, uh, that Nugget style basketball. Um, Coach though mentioned he played the matchups. I mean, if you think that that night it was, it was Dirk Nowitzki was uh, the guy they kind of targeted, and, and Coach said, "Hey, I want to make them. I wanted to make him have to play defense uh, and work both sides of the of the floor." And, and, and otherwise, classically, the uh, uh, the Mavericks play play a fairly small game anyway. So that's kind of why Coach pointed to doing that. And then when they played the Clippers, you know, he said, hey, I thought Mason Plumlee was my best bet in terms of defending Blake Griffin, which I don't disagree. That, that's the, the guy who is going to probably defend Blake Griffin the best. I mean, you would think maybe maybe Kenneth Freed. Freed has the tools to defend a guy like Blake Griffin, but not necessarily the mentality. Um so I, I get why he did that. And again, last night pregame, he emphasized that, that that's kind of why he's been doing this plumley Jokic lineup. And he knows he's sacrificing something on offense, uh, but it's more about the defensive side and the defensive matchups. But it did work out against LA, right? Then it was, <laughs> the, the offense was so abysmal um, watching them play uh, that, that it, I think it re- everything kind of really came to a head. Um, Mark, would you agree or disagree? Do, do you think that the defense suffers so much uh, without Mason in there that it's worth giving up what they've had to give up on offense? So, no, I don't. I mean, I think that – right, just to get right to it. No, I completely disagree with the Plumlee-Jokic lineup for more than a few minutes a game. Um, I mean, I think a lot depends on who is playing power forward. Um, I'm really high on Trey Lyles, but I don't think anyone can say that Lyles and Jokic is going to be a good defensive right. lineup right now. Um, but, I mean, what we get back on the offensive end, I think obviously everyone has talked about and everyone understands that there's real benefits there. But something that I think isn't going as noticed is when we're running the Plumley-Jokic lineup and we're supposedly doing that for uh, defensive purposes, yeah. Plumley is probably one of the better de- interior defenders we have and against a guy like Blake Griffin um, he probably is the best option but anytime we're doing that um, Jokic has to slide to the power forward position and if we're playing a team who has any speed or any kind of stretch at power forward uh, the Nuggets are expecting maybe the slowest footed guy on the team to run around the perimeter and keep up right. with them. So while I think you get a defensive boost at center, I think we're automatically putting Jokic in a position where he's going to get just toasted at power forward on defense. So I don't know if the lineup as a whole is as defensively effective as maybe the coaching staff thinks it is. Right. Yeah, and we saw we saw that quite a bit with um, with that in that Clippers game. Uh, I mean, they start Willie Reed at center. Uh, but but he he didn't play very much. It was a lot of uh, it was a lot of Montrezl Harrell, um, and then and then uh, to a, to a smaller degree they played a lot of uh, Wesley Johnson, um, and, and kind of shifted shifted Blake over to the center and, and kind of played small. Uh, and, and and you're one hundred percent right. We've we've seen this with, with Jokic. <laughs> Some of our Serbian uh, Serbian commenters have actually accused me of being. Um, having malice towards Jokic simply because I've made this observation, but we, we've seen it time and again with Jokic. It's, it's just not his strength. You're, you're exactly right. He's slow footed, slow footed to a fault to a point where I remember, I mean, the very first time I knew this would not work out was uh, Jokic's rookie year. Uh, and the very end of the season, they decided, okay, we're going to try this, this Plumlee uh, or not Plumlee uh, Jokic Nurkic lineup. And, and they were playing the Cavaliers, and at the time, Channing Fry was on the Cavaliers. Um, and so, of course, Channing Fry is a, a stretch forward in every sense of the word. Jokic had to defend him, and, and Channing Fry is a, is a veteran who's, who's slowed down quite a bit for never being that fast to begin with. Um, and, and I remember watching Jokic try and defend him at the three-point line, and Fry just blew right by him um, off the dribble. And it was right then, it was like, okay, if Channing Fry can, can beat him off the dribble like that, uh, it's probably never going to work out for him <laughs> as a as guarding a stretch for it. Uh, and, 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 right. Uh, and I mean, they, Oh, sorry. I was saying you were, you know, accused of malice against Jokic, but I don't think this is a knock on Jokic. It's just that he's not a power right. forward. So expecting him to guard power forwards just really isn't fair. Right. Exactly. It, it's like the same idea. I, I mean, it's exactly what, why the Nuggets went at Dirk Nowitzki, right? It was because they're like, all right, here's a guy who's, uh, who's uh, was a power forward, but now really is so slow-footed that he can't um, 
you know, he can't, and, and the game has changed enough over Dirk's career, but he can't, uh, he can't defend our, our, our guy like even like Jokic. So we're going to take advantage of that. Teams are going to do the exact same thing when they see Jokic in the power forward slot. They're going to say that's, that's their hole on defense. Um, and, and, and that's where we're going to attack. And, and it's up to coach to, to figure it out. But, but like you said, I think it's a great point. Uh, you what you gain in Mason, you might almost lose playing Jokic uh, out of position on defense, and we know what you lose on offense. Um, so it, it, is it really worth it? I think that's that's. I mean, that is the the question, and I guess, and I'll ask you, Jeremy. I mean, do you think at this point that they should just go away from that entirely, um, or do you think there's still some some situations where Plumlee and Jokic on the floor together makes some sense? I hate that I have to answer your question accurately, which is I think there are situations. <laughs> you don't have to. I where, mean, you know, uh, you... <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, it needs to be the the last page in the playbook. Um, it, it's just it's proved. I, I get the idea that the 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 season happens so fast, and you have so many different lineups, and you're playing so many different variations of opponents that it can be hard to get reliable data. Um, earlier in the season we saw Plum, Plum Kitchen action and it, and it didn't work and it kind of went away and we were happy to see that he resurrects it again. And actually there's a few games where it looked like it, it kind of looked kind of right. good and you think, Oh, okay. So it wasn't really the, the data back then. It, we just didn't have enough sample size to, to really give it a shot, but then we see it come, come crash down. I think at this point, and then based off of not to lump Plumlee in too much with, uh, um, Nurkic, but the whole kind of two tower concept, we'll, we'll take it generally. Right. I, it seems like a very situational play style, right. and and I think I you just you got you got to throw it away. I'm sorry, you you got to get rid of it. And, and something that I don't like about it is um, is the play style that is forcing our other players to play in. So right now, as a Nuggets fan, you have to be really into the roster as much as you might not like him that that Tim Conley has put together for us. We've got a lot of very young, very high talent on our roster and they're, they're all going to be developing together. And when they play this style of basketball, it it's it's forcing them into these different concepts of play. When when you have Plumlee and Jokic down there, when you have Jokic hanging around the three-point line and you're trying to adapt to that to to playing off of Jokic at the three with Plumlee in the center, you're, you're not going to be growing like the right the right strategy. So I'm wondering if we're losing now by doing this and if we're losing in the future by growing, at least wasting time not doing something else, then why are we doing it at all? Right. It's it's frustrating to see. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. It's frustrating. And I and I do wonder uh, how if they'll go away from it entirely. I don't – I can't remember specifically, but I don't think he went to it one time last night against the Suns. Um, which yeah. is interesting because they ended up losing anyways. Um, but they pulled Lyles, right? Like I, I, so I think the idea was okay. Um, TJ is is kind of killing us, so let's get uh, Chandler on on defense, and maybe he can lock him down. Who was having a terrible game? Who's having a terrible month? Who's having a terrible season? Right. But you know, they still think let's put let's put Chandler in at the end of the game, but. They robbed our offense of tra- what Trey Lyles could have done. Right. I, I, I really, I was very frustrated in that fourth quarter seeing Chandler out there. It, it, it ruined the entire point. If Malone was trying to say, "Okay, look what happens when I don't play Plumley," if if he was trying to like press that down even more by putting Chandler in and failing even more, then okay, like you you made some sort of terrible right. point over right. here. But he didn't do it the right way by laying Lyles right. Playing. That would that would be the king of petty, which there's a lot of petty going on right now in the NBA. So uh, I could see it. I could see it. But I don't. I don't think Coach. I think I think Coach hates. He hates losing too much to uh, to intentionally sabotage the game. I think he just. Um, I don't know. I, I, sometimes you wonder if, if, if maybe he's just overthinking it, right? Like uh, just play Jokic at center. <laughs> like forget trying to figure out every single matchup and stuff yeah. like like just play in the center just, just do it and and i get i get to a point why he you know Plumlee's probably the most synonymous guy they have in terms of defense um with paul Millsap. and i get so why he's maybe trying to just like maintain some consistency uh 
just so that way they don't have to try and redo this all and, and completely re- reorganize their lineups and reorganize their rotation here in three weeks or so when, when, when Millsap gets back. I get that, but I think you're at such a crucial point of the time that you, you just have to. Like, you just... You have to change something because if you don't, I don't think you can afford to wait three more weeks. You might be, you might be like something like five games back um, with the way this team is playing. So that, um, I just they're so different defensively though. Like I I hate that type of thinking. Millsap is defense. Plumlee is defense. Therefore, insert Plumlee for Millsap when Millsap is injured because they bring such completely different styles of defense to the game what he's able to do with the four to to either squash the paint or to stretch out and and play perimeter defense what that does for the rest of our perimeter defense for them to be able to lock down their guys and their positions and then you look at Jokic and what he was able to do as the five he was one of the highest rated uh, defenders in the well, NBA before Millsap went right. out. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. He, he did quite well. No, I, 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 I see what you're saying there, and, and I agree. I, I, I guess I don't necessarily disagree uh, because you're right. There, there's a, certainly a different. Just, I mean, they're different players um, in, in Millsap and Plumlee. Um, like, so I, I, I guess I just, I just see it from a continuity standpoint what he was trying to do there. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's worked out though very well. Uh, Mark, I'll, I'll close. I'll close the plum kitch thing on this. Let me ask you this, because we saw it last night, right? We saw, and I thought Jeremy brought up some good points about Trey Lyles. But we, we at the end of the day, one of the things we just did see is they they went away from that lineup and they still really struggled. How much do you think that lineup can't work because they? don't have a point guard to kind of organize the offense. They don't have a true point guard to organize that offense and, and make something that's going to be a difficult lineup situation anyways. Um, you know, you don't have that veteran point guard to take something like that and have the, the experience to be like, okay, this is how we can make this work. How much does not having that point guard hurt them in that lineup? So I hear people talking about the true point guard and um, somebody to kind of be the floor general a lot. And I think personally, I just, I don't, I'm not as concerned about that as other people are. Um, I think that we've all said it a lot of times that in an ideal situation, the ball's running through Jokic more than it is now anyway. Um, We've mentioned they didn't do the Plumkic lineup against the Suns and still lost. But I did think it was strange how much, how many fewer post touches Jokic yeah, I noticed that too. Than he did against the Mavs in a similar lineup. Um, and so, I, to me, there's much bigger issues on the lineups in the roster right now. I think Jeremy highlighted what is maybe my biggest complaint, that Wilson Chandler played 33 minutes, um, had three shot attempts, 0 for 2 from 3, and 2 points. Um, and I think that he's just not giving the defensive effort every play that he used to give. Um, and so, to me, if we could upgrade something on the wing or even just give Tory Craig, who's going to hustle more than Chandler, a little more of a shot. I'm not as worried about having a point guard out there to kind of point to spots and move people around. Um, I think Zach, you kind of hit on it earlier when you said maybe they're overthinking it. I mean, to me, put Jokic at center, give him a few more post touches, run the offense through the guy that we know is the smart playmaker and passer in Jokic. Right. And I think a lot of the other problems will kind of solve themselves. Right. Yeah. And it, it, man, it's so, but it, you like like you don't want to be like uh you know uh, a, a, a cou- you would call it a couch quarterback I don't know what you call it in in uh, uh, in, in basketball maybe maybe a couch coach or whatever like you know like obviously it's not the, 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 there's more nuance and in, 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 in it goes deeper than just saying that but it's, it just seems so simple at the same day it's like dude, just just play Jokic at center put him down in the post get him the ball and like and people you know move around him like that. That's what we do. That's how it works. And and like I said, I'm sure there's more to it. But at the same time, it's like, man, um, maybe it's just that simple. And and yeah, and maybe maybe you don't really need need that point guard. I wonder if because the team's so young, um, if maybe it's not necessarily the, uh, a point guard, but they need a veteran to hold everybody accountable on the court and and remind them, hey, no, guys, this is what we're supposed to be doing. You know, we don't we don't need well, we don't need you to run up and, and chuck a three in the first five seconds of the shot clock, or you know, Nicola, you can't just go over there and just stand in the corner the whole time. Uh, maybe maybe that's what they need, and it makes me wonder because 
Um, you know, we, we've talked quite a bit about Wilson Chandler, um, and, and Coach kind of specifically mentioned maybe he needs to shake up the starting lineup because of the effort issues. And I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, I mean, I, I assume he's not talking about Gary Harris. Um, because Gary's like coach's favorite mm-hmm. player. Uh, he obviously couldn't have been talking about Jamal last night. Um, Trey Lyles, it was his very first night in the starting lineup, so I, that, that would have been a, a pretty odd move for the coach to call him out in the starting lineup after he just put him in there, maybe. Um, and so that, that kind of brings you down to just Jokic and Chandler. Obviously, uh, if coach values his job at all, he's not going to he's not gonna bench Nikola Jokic. So it makes me wonder if, if Wilson Chandler is who he's talking about um right there and, and i would not i'll tell you guys this uh right before we hit this break i would not be surprised to see wilson chandler taken out of the starting lineup and and richard jefferson um, inserted in his place that would not surprise me at all kind of give nugget the nuggets i mean granted wilson's a veteran too but maybe and maybe just not more of a, of a vocal guy like richard jefferson is and, and i think maybe putting him in with that starting group might help get the team going um, energy-wise. So, like I said, maybe not so much a point guard, but just a, a better veteran presence is needed um, in that lineup. All right, tell you what, let's... I've, I've oh, heard, go ahead, Jeremy. I just want to I just want to point out, um, I, there's a lot of people calling to trade Chandler, get rid of him, and stuff like that. As much as I've been frustrated with him, um, he had a lot of... He's had, for years, a lot of value off the bench for the Nuggets. Right. And I just wonder if, if putting him to the bench might be a, a better place for him. I think he plays better in anarchy ball where there's not a lot of um, strategy going on right. where he's able to just rely on his fundamentals. Um, and, and so, yeah, just take his minutes down, put him, put him off the bench and, and see what happens right. there. Yeah, and, and uh, that's a great point. And I, I, I've been thinking that too. Like he's always been – this is his first year ever being a full-time starter. Uh, and Wilson has always said he, even when he had complaints, it wasn't about being a starter versus not being a starter. It was just about having some sort of consistent role and knowing what he was supposed to be doing. Um, I wonder if, if, if you're – I think you're right, Jeremy. I think I wonder if he might just be more comfortable coming off the bench, being kind of another bench scoring option where most of the stuff he works, he does is, is just uh, – at least on offense is, is about just getting him, him looks and getting himself baskets uh, instead of trying to work within the flow of things. Um, I do wonder if that, that, that's a big part of what's going on with him. All right, well, we, we, we blew past our break there, so we're going we're gonna to hit it here real quick. Um, and then I'll, we'll get, I want to get into Kim Walker quick, uh, but I definitely want to at least touch on Yusuf Nurkic's welcome back to Pepsi Center. So we'll, we'll try and get through those two last sections here real quick in the last uh, 15 minutes or so that we've got. But we'll take a break and be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I'm Zach Mikosh, DenverStiffs.com. You're listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. We spent quite a bit of that first uh, 
the first half I was sitting here talking with uh, Jeremy Poley and Mark Grimaldi about uh, the the awful loss of the Suns, and then of course the everybody's hot topic right now the use of use of you you just go to that that it just it just reminds you of it so much um, the the Mason Plumley Nikola Jokic lineup. Um, and now we're going to move on to some some fun stuff. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves talking fake trades, right? That's that's what it is. What what uh, gets the fans going? Nothing gets the clicks like like fake trades. Um, Kimball Walker, uh, the the according to Adrian Wojnarowski, which is of course you know basically getting it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, the Hornets have made Kimball Walker available in a trade. They would like to attach one of the four or five abysmal. And I do mean abysmal contracts that they had, um, which might make it tough for the Nuggets. But I guess, Mark, Mark let me ask you this: How much I know since you, you were kind of talking about how I don't, you didn't necessarily think the Nuggets need a veteran point guard. How much would Kimba help them if they were to get him on the team? I mean, to be clear, I, I it, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because I did say I don't think that's the biggest problem on the roster. But I think anytime you can add a player of Kemba's quality um it would help immensely i mean i i think that um, i was reading he's having a little bit of a statistically down year but even then i mean his plus minus um i think they're like a minus five with him on the floor and a minus you know 15 or something with him off um he plays defense he's physical he can score um i think it'd help a lot i do think it'd be a little strange for the roster construct just because I mean, I don't know if, especially after last night, you can say that Jamal Murray deserves to be moved to the bench, but I think there's no way that Kemba Walker isn't starting. Um, but I mean, I guess if you can get into a healthy rotation of Murray, Gary, uh, Gary Harris, and Kemba Walker as our three guards, um, there's not a lot of weak spots there. Right. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and, and that that is the tough part is figuring out how he would fit um, if, if Murray and Harris aren't involved in that trade. Because those two guys uh, certainly look like starting caliber guards, um, and, and you know Kimba is. So, so how would you how would you make that work? You could play really small and try and start all three of them, uh, but I don't know. I, that that's, uh, that to me is more of a lineup that you you try. Uh, you know, in certain situations, you don't necessarily roll with it uh, with your starting lineup. Jeremy, what about you, man? How much do you think Kimba would help the Nuggets? Oh man, I would, I would love to watch it. I would love to see it happen. Um, just as, as a fan of the Nuggets, as a fan of basketball in general, um, just to be able to see what that would look like. Um, I mean, as far as long view on the Nuggets, um, I'm kind of 50-50 on it, but um, I, I don't think there's a, a world, a version of, of reality where we're not trading um, Murray in, for him. So um, it's, it's a big choice to have to take. But, um, you know... Uh, Mark brought up his his like slightly down year that some people have pointed out, and at this point, how he's kind of the only scoring option. Um, Ryan Blackburn brought up his stats and and pointed out uh, over 50% of his shots are coming off the pick and roll, which is absolutely insane. I think 40% is like the next highest out of any player in the NBA, and uh, and he still is having like a top 10 in efficiency on the pick and roll. So he is incredible at that and one thing with our nuggets offense is so we have a lot of outside shooters um but then we've been struggling to get the ball to Jokic in the post we haven't been having a lot of great paint play and then the kind of only close shots that we've been getting is when our outside shooters just drive how many times have we seen barton just make a beeline for the hoop or murray just drive straight to the hoop or moody drive straight to the hoop and miss it (laughs) um so the ability to bring one of the greatest pick and roll players in the NBA to our team and to add that kind of a middle level between the paint and the, the outside, I think would be absolutely insane to watch. And I think he could do a great job of getting the ball to, to Jokic in the paint, in the post. Um, it would be beautiful to see. I, I'd love to see it. It's just, I'm still, I'm 50, 50 on, on how we change the the future of this franchise as a result of doing that, but right. at this point he's still I think he's still twenty twenty seven twenty seven yep. yeah um you know he's got he's got a healthy amount of time in front of him point guard is one of the longest uh, aging positions it's it would be interesting 
Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree. I, uh, there, there's a lot to like about Kemba. And what's interesting is, is right, because, uh, I mean, I agree. You, you'd have to give up um, either Jamal Murray or Gary Harris. I think one of those guys would have to be uh, the, the blue chipper in the deal to come back to um, Charlotte. And, and that's a big, tough pill to swallow That because those guys are both have very promising futures. Um, the thing about it is, though, is you'd still get one of them. Like you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't take both of them to get him. So right. you would still have, <clears throat> you still have Kimball Walker, Paul Millsap, and Nicole Jokic just off the bat right there. That's a pretty good, you know, quote unquote big three um, with those three guys. And then you still have a fourth guy in, in Gary Harris or Jamal Murray. I mean that. It, it, it's a, it's, I don't think it's as cut and dry as some people make it. Like that team would be very competitive. Um, and would be very good. The thing that I would concern myself more um, with is is the the big contract that you got to probably take back uh, as well. Which is, uh, I mean, there's there's a couple guys on the um, on the Hornets who just are really bad. Uh, Dwight Howard is a two year, twenty three million dollar per contract. That one's pretty tough to swallow. Uh, Cody Zeller, I think, is a, like a three year, twelve million per. Um, that one is pretty tough to swallow. And then Nick, Nick Batum, which is the big one that I think they really want to get off of four more years, um, at, at yeah. over 20 million <laughs> per for Nick Batum. Like that is, that it's is crazy. a tough contract. And the thing that stinks is, is, is the, the Nuggets. His contract, sorry, I think the last year of his contract has something like a $25 million player option too. Right. No you know, I think it actually, I think it, I think it might right. even be 27 million. Like some ridiculous number, though. Either way, and yeah, exactly. And, and that would be my biggest concern um, about taking back that contract. Uh, Mark, what about you, man? Like, would you would you give up Murray or Harris to get uh, to get Campbell Walker? I've gone back and forth on this a lot. Um, I'd have a hard time saying yes, just because I think that those two are around the same age. Um, They're you know are around the same age as Jokic. They can all kind of come up together and grow together and really work as a unit. Um, but at the same time, Kemba Walker is not old. I mean, he's 27, like you said. He's got years ahead of him. Um, I think it really would depend on what else we had to ship out and what else we were getting back. Um, as much as I enjoy having Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and really enjoy having both of them as a team, and I think they're easy guys to root for, I think to get a player of Kemba's quality, you'd have to make that move. But if right. we have to take back something like Nick Batum and send out, you know, a Wancho or a couple picks or something like that, I think the asking price gets too high for me. Yeah, and that, that's that's where I'm at too. Is like, uh, I mean, you know, when at what point uh, does it does it become too much? And I think that certainly when you start talking about adding in. Um, some of these other young guys that they got, or, and definitely if you start talking about adding in picks, uh, then it's then it becomes a really less attractive deal uh, for the Nuggets. The other thing that I'm, I'm concerned with, I mean, so Kimball would have two more years on his deal, but he could he could jet in two years, and that would be a you know if you gave up a guy like a Murray or a Harris uh, for just two years of Kimball Walker, because um, I don't think the Nuggets are likely even with him, I don't think they'd be likely to to contend for a title. Um, in the next two years, so if if you end up giving up a, a blue chipper like that and you get him, you you only get him for two seasons, then it, then it really looks bad in hindsight. Man, I'm just looking at some of these Charlotte contracts. Like, good lord, they got Marcus Williams three years, thirteen million per. Michael Kidd Gilchrist three years, thirteen million per. Like, I think this might be the worst cap situation in the entire NBA. Be honest with you so <laughs> it makes me well and it makes yeah. me it makes me realize like okay yeah that then it's probably not only are you probably having to give up maria harris you're almost definitely going to have to take back um one of these contracts and a guy like michael k gilchrist or marvin williams um is is, is guy or even a guy like nick patum i they would fill a role on the nuggets they would they would be part of the rotation so it's not like it's just pure salary that you're taking on um but it's not ideal, and none of these guys are. I mean, they're all three, four years to go, you know, on their deals. I mean, Cody Zell's got four years. Like, it, it would be tough. I think, and I think that to me is the deal breaker because you're going to have to. Um, you'd probably have to give up Murray. Is probably the deal because Gary Harris is going to get paid. Uh, is already on an extension. It's probably hard to get that all that salary to work with Harris. It almost has to be Murray. Um, and man. You're talking about having to try and re-sign Nicole Jokic. What if Malik Beasley turns into a player? What if Wancho turns into a player? Now you got to try and re-sign those guys. Plus, you're carrying these contracts. 
Plus, he still got Plumlee's contract. Like, I, I think it's too much of a mess um, for the Nuggets to, to legitimately go after. All right, let's 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 wrap it up here on this last section. So, uh, Portland Trailblazers come in here Monday, Tuesday, one of these one of these days. Um, I, I haven't. I don't. Full disclosure. I don't. I write the schedule for 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 the stiffs. We don't we don't put it out till Sunday night though, so I won't know when we play the Blazers until tomorrow night. Because uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm living it day at a time, baby. Anyways, but I, uh, the Portland will be the next game. They are coming to Denver. It is Yusuf Nurkic's first game back in Denver. Mark, how loud is is the booing going to be for Yusuf? Not as loud as I wish it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> really? I was at the game yesterday. Um, and I mean, it was a Friday night game. I was there with my friend who, you know, doesn't go to every game. And he turned to me somewhere in the second or third quarter and said, man, look at all the empty seats down there. It is dead for a Friday. Right. Um, and I think we're seeing the effects of losing to Philly, losing to the Suns, losing to the Clippers, you know, losing to teams that the fans would expect to beat. And then we're going to have a Monday night game. I just don't think the stadium is going to be as full as we would like. Um, and I think there's still a good amount of fans that, you know, maybe don't read everything about how Nurkic left or his effort and things like that and just don't have the same kind of animosity towards him that I certainly do. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think there will certainly be a contingent of the fans that are booing him. Um, I will be one of them. But <laughs> I don't think it's going to be as much, you know, Support is a weird word to use for it, but um, as many fans in the stands were really kind of dedicated to that as I would hope. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I noticed that too last night. I thought it was fairly dead for a, for a, a Friday night um, game. The crowd has been good. I think the interesting point to make there is I think, you know, the, the Broncos, of course, suck this year. And I think uh, the, the heavy Broncos fans who still wanted to have – who enjoy having rooting interest in sports were kind of looking for their team. And for a while there, they were like, okay, we're going to hop on the Nuggets. That seems like the boat to ride. But in these past two weeks, the Nuggets have kind of fallen off a cliff. Meanwhile, like the Avs have won something like nine games in a row. And so now I think everybody's like – they're like, all right. And there was an Avs game last night as well. So I think people are, are – uh, you know, maybe they stayed home to watch that game when I was on the road, and I think maybe people are Denver, the casual Nuggets or casual Denver sports fan might be hitching his wagon uh, a little bit more to the Avalanche than the Nuggets right now. Um, Jeremy, what about you? I want to get your thoughts in here real quick while we have a few minutes. Um, Yusuf Nurkic coming back, how loud should he be booed, and just your thoughts on him coming back in general? Yeah, I, I think Mark brought up a good point. I, I, I think the fact that we're kind of in the middle of this. Um, slump biggest slump of our season um isn't in a good position to have all the uh veracity that our home crowd should um all the passion that that we want from them that Nurkic definitely deserves so um but it's a good opportunity we'll see it's an opportunity for the fans to come around the team um if if that does happen I'm not saying it won't happen um so what if it does happen? It would be a beautiful thing and a great uh, chance for our team to be able to uh, to put their own passion into it, and it would it would be a lot of fun to see that. But I'm also kind of scared because Portland's playing really well right now, it's so true. it's like right when we're hitting our low point, they're hitting their high point. Um, it is true, but it's going to be a tough. One. That's that's the kind of game that can change a season. So that's very true. It'd be nice to see the Nuggets just stick it to the Blazers too. I mean, they did last game in Portland, but it'd be nice to see them you know, really stick it to um, to Portland at home against and really get get Nurkic, um, get the best of Nurkic the home crowd. All right, well, we are out of time um, here on the Pickaxe Pundit Show. So, real quickly, I am Zach Mikosh. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Uh, Jeremy Poli is at. It's just Jeremy Poli, right? No underscore in there, right? Uh, Mark, what what are, what, are you, what are you on Twitter, Mark? Uh, I am Marcus Blam, but I'm not posting a lot. I'll just see you in the comments section. There you go. He'll see you in the comments section. He will ban you if you start <laughs> acting out of line. Um, follow us on, on Twitter at Denver Stiffs at NBN-Radio. Like I said, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you're following all that. Uh, Mark, Jeremy, appreciate you guys being on. Thanks for having Thanks. me. All righty, everybody. We will talk to you next week.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. 